Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey leaders, welcome to episode 40. That's right, 40 episodes in on the Leadership Matters Podcast. Hard to believe that we've got 40 episodes now here on this podcast. And hey, special shout outs to all of our our consistent, avid listeners out there who are fans of the Leadership Matters Podcast. I want to thank you so much uh, for sticking with it this long already. And uh, some of you have subscribed, many of you have left comments, reviews, you've shared it on your social media profiles. It just all helps spread the word about this resource tool for leaders, all in an effort to create health in your leadership, in your personal leadership, because we believe that healthy leaders produce healthy ministry. And so I just want to thank you so much. And for this special 40th episode. I've got a brand new segment we've never done here before on the Leadership Matters Podcast. It's called This Is My Story, and it's really where we sit down with a leader and just really unpack their life story and what got them into leadership, how they got there. I love hearing people's stories, and I'm sure you do too. And so this is our first ever This Is My Story with special guest Jeremiah Nyangor from Calgary, Alberta. Here's my chat with Jeremiah. Jeremy's here. Jeremiah's here. Can I call you Jer? Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So Jer's here with us Jer. today and uh, so good to have him. He was actually uh, one of our guest speakers at our recent conference uh, called Pursue Student Conference and just yes. did a fantastic job. And so uh, if you were a part of that from our district, then you'll uh, recognize his voice today on the podcast. But Jared, so good to have you. Thanks for doing this. Uh, just give us yeah, a little greeting. Tell, tell us where you're at, where you're currently ministering at, and how long you've been there. Absolutely. Um, so I'm currently Calgary, Alberta First Assembly Church is where I am currently at youth pastoring, um, which is so much fun. When I first came to this church, um, the youth pastor, I remember seeing him in the gym, and he was like, if you make that shot, I was like, I think 13 years old. He's like, if you make that shot, I'll give you 50 bucks. I didn't make the shot. Wow. He still gave me five bucks. Okay. Um, and from then, like, began this relationship with him. He started to, like, mentor me and even kind of step in kind of a, as a father figure. Nice. And he would say often, like, you know, one day you're going to be the youth pastor here. And I just had lunch with him the other day. Wow. And it kind of all, like, flashed before my eyes of, like, wow. man. And so been here as a kid, went through, went away for Bible college. Um, and now I'm youth pastoring. So it's been about, like... 10 years almost. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. 10 years. I'm 10 years you've been old. youth pastoring? No, that I've been here at this church. Oh, okay. I've been youth okay. pastoring for, um, I'd say, a year now, a year and a half. Okay. I'm 24 okay. years old, by the way. Wow. Just young. Still wet behind the ears, yes. but so much passion, energy, ready to go. I'm sure these uh, the youth there at uh, First Assembly yeah. keep you on your toes. I can only imagine. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, Jer, what do you what do you love in terms of ministry? You said about a year and a half you've been a uh, youth pastor there at First Assembly in, in Calgary, Alberta. Shout-outs to mm -hmm. James Clarence as well. I think he yes, yes, yes. kind of was the previous guy, and he's been on this yeah. podcast before and uh, a speaker at our Amazing. summer camps before. But, um, Jer, what do you love most about what you're currently doing, working with students? Uh, maybe there's something specific or maybe it's more in general terms, but what do you love most about where you're currently serving and what you're currently serving in? Yeah. 
That's a that's honestly a great question, hard question, because there's so many things I feel like in this current season that I'm I'm loving so much. Sure. Um, one of them being the team that I get to run with. Um, they're all good friends, people that we've from different churches or like different seasons in life, all at one point or another have talked about, man, what would it be like if we got to run together? What would it be like if we got mm. to, you know, do ministry together? And yeah. it's almost as the same as the same way that COVID has like kind of flipped everybody's life upside down so quickly right. um, in the same way, quickly, this has become a reality. And I think we constantly are all, I'm like, whoa, this is amazing. We get to do this together. One of um, the junior high pastor who actually sits in this office with me, okay. um, we went to Bible college together. And so no there's many nights where we would pray, pray for our youth ministry, pray that, you know, God would use us and like even dream about what would it be like if we ran together in the same, and wow. it just now is, now is happening. So it's Come really on. cool. Um, it's cool to see them all like come alive in their gifting and it's really cool how that is impacting young people yeah. um it's almost like it's just happening like like unfolding on paper yeah um, like you get to watch it where i'll see one of the pastors jess sanchez she's a dynamic versatile leader and she like leads worship she plays drums she plays keys she preaches she's like a creative genius yeah. um and seeing her just like hop on drums or like lead worship or like talk about creativity and then see like a bunch of young girls be like, man, I can be like Jess. I can, mm. I can be called to preach. I can be called to, you know, play drums or all these different kinds of things like that. It's, it's really cool to see how the spirit just like uses somebody gift, somebody's gift to like yeah. impact young people that way. So that's probably the most exciting thing as a whole, holistically that's good. Um, to that's see. Good. Oh, that's so good. Here, I want to get into your personal story. Um, it's why I, I really set out to do these new segments. This is my story segment because I love hearing people's stories. I love hearing their journeys and just, you know, God's hand through it all and how he gets a hold of people. So um, you mentioned you've been there, you know, First Assembly about 10 years total now. Um, but talk to us, go back even before that. You said you're 24, I think you said, 24 years yes. old. So that'd go back yes, to yes, about yes. 14 years old when you showed up there. But even pre that, like, just talk to us about your childhood for a bit. Uh, yeah. What was life growing up uh, like for you? Where did you grow mm -hmm. up? Um, kind of mom and dad, you know, family dynamics, anything. Just give us a bit of a window into uh, into childhood uh, siblings, faith, were your parents religious, all of that stuff. Absolutely. Um, so get this, I was born in Grant Perry, Alberta. And I no tell us where that is. Cause for those who are not from Alberta, they probably have no idea. Like Grand Perry. Yeah, totally. Uh, Grand Perry is like, I think it's like really far North as far as I know, up okay. past Edmonton. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, North. That's all I can. North Pole really is what it is. Okay. Um, and yeah, I was born there. I think I honestly, in my whole um, being born there, we lived there for about four or five years, actually, to I think to be exact, six years. I think I was the only, like, I don't think I knew another black person other than my family. Wow. Um, in Grand Prairie, which was wild. Yeah. Um, and then we moved to a small, so my dad that was actually a part of, um, POC helped plant a church okay. um, in Grand Prairie and yep. then um, joined another, like, I guess, what would it be, family or district or movement um, 
with the Victory Churches International. And so okay. then he planted a church um, in Valley View, which would be kind of like in context, like here, Calgary, it'd be like at Okotoks okay. or like in Airdrie, I guess. It's like 45 to, to an hour away, small town, like one main street. I think there's like 1,500 people, wow. including like rural area. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we moved there. He planted a church um, in collaboration, um, I think, with like some people on a reserve, um, which I think there was some like legal stuff there. So that wasn't actually like it didn't last long and then planted okay. in the city. And so parents are both past. We're both pastors. Uh, my mom's the like classic African lady that's like a prayer warrior and can read your mail um right, right. so that was interesting for sure growing up yeah. couldn't get away with much no um and my yeah my dad was a pastor appointed those churches and so i had the pk upbringing experience and i had the re rebellious pk phase i guess okay. at a younger age of just like i was a social butterfly just tried to get everybody to like me um and so in this town I, um, I quickly, it's funny because I've actually processed this more now than I ever did when I was younger, sure, sure. but I quickly like recognized that people didn't like me because of the color of my skin. Mm. Um, but I didn't realize that then I thought it was just like a Jeremiah thing. And so uh, okay. very quickly at a young age, I was like, I became like real, like my main focus almost was like, how can I get people to like me? Right. Um, and so kids that would like call me the N word or like, you know, steal my bike or like pick on me and all different shapes and forms, I would like go back and be like, well, if I buy you guys Slurpees, will you hang out with me? Or will uh, you let me come on a bike ride and that kind of uh, stuff? Yeah. And yeah, that just got very intense. And then um, just because I think the weight of like the church almost like kind of falling apart and my mom and dad just like um, their dynamic shifted. My dad got a stroke very quickly. Got, um, he beat cancer before, but he got a stroke mm. and yeah their marriage started falling apart and there's just like a lot of like oh, dysfunction man. in the home between my mom and my dad. Um, almost like I, and I had to like pick a side kind of thing at like a young age. So right. my childhood was very much just like me playing hockey okay. um, or, or going on bike rides. Like cause the town was so small. I would ride my bike everywhere. And again, try and hang out with these kids. Um, and they'd like either beat me up or be like, Hey, do this. Like if you steal this thing or if right. you, if you go and fight that person, we'll hang out with you. And it was always something that just got me into trouble or got me hurt. Right. Um, and sometimes my dad would be going to speak somewhere and he'd be like, you have to be home by this time. And I'd come home late because I was in an altercation with somebody or sure. something like that. And then my sure. dad would be upset with me. So yeah, it got to the point where my mom was just like, okay, this is getting intense. And I want to make sure not getting intense, but just like, we need to make sure that our son can grow up um like having a proper upbringing right and so my mom had a daughter here my mom actually has a very crazy story for another time but she had a daughter here in calgary okay um, who lived in grand prairie for a small time i had a sister a steps or half sister i guess um that also lived in grand prairie so i was, I was close with her when my me and my dad would go to grand prairie to visit right. um, that was the only kind of family dynamic but for the most part i grew up like as an old, only child because all of these sisters are now in their 40s so they were all way older than me okay um yeah so my sister my mom we moved to calgary or we came to calgary to visit my sister um i thought we were visiting but my mom was like you're gonna stay here i'm gonna go back home we're gonna figure out things with your dad wow. um, so that we can kind of 
like make it a safe environment for you. And my dad is older than my mom, so um, like almost 19 years older. Okay. And the dynamic, I don't know if it's, I don't want to say it's just an African thing, but like kind of the stubborn African, like I'm the head of the house type thing was like super prideful um, okay. kind of guy. So when he came, when she came back, um, he made it a point to like call social services and say, my wife kidnapped my son just to, to prove a point. And so when they came and assessed the situation, um, they were like, Rebecca, which is my mom's name, you, if you want to keep your son, you, you need to like make some changes. So then very quickly, next thing I know, I'm like 10, I believe. My mom is coming back to Calgary with a U-Haul with all of our stuff. So I, to my understanding, I was like, oh, I'm going back. Right. I got hockey starting soon, right. but yeah. no, she came back and she's, we just like life started in Calgary so quickly. Wow. Um, and I talked to my dad a few times over the phone. It was kind of like sensitive because because I was really close with my dad, almost because like I had to be, but also because if I was like, hey, can I go for a bike ride? My dad was like, yes. My mom was like, no, do your homework, do your school. My dad was like, right. Right. go ahead. Um, so obviously I'm clinging to where I was going to get a yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're now in Calgary, talked to my dad a few times. Um, and then like that, like nine, 10 years go by. Um, when we first moved here, I was a pretty angry Kid, I just again had that mindset that everybody was out to get me, right. um, that people wouldn't like me, and so I would either be like very angry or closed off, or try to get people to sure. like me. And sure. um, that was an interesting dynamic. But went through like tons of healing and had a ton of people that were just always there, like in my life, like okay. mentors or father figures that were okay. just like would take me under their wing. Yep. There was a dynamic between my mom and my dad when in his church where my mom actually started going to another church. Okay. And my dad was like the communicator, but my mom was really the people, the one that pastored the people. Right. And when she like moved on and like left, no one really started coming anymore. So I would come to church every week with my dad and he'd go to his office and pray. And then I would just play the drums. And so I'm a drummer now. I've okay. been playing for like yep. whatever, 15 years. But that's really where it started because I would just wow. have every Sunday All time to time. just yep. sit on the drums and play and like improve. And I was always like attracted to drums when I was yep. a baby, even I would always watch the drummer. So fast forward, we're here in Calgary. Obviously, like I found ways to like get involved with drums when we first moved here. Like anytime there was a drummer at church, I was like, hey, like, show me something how long have you been yeah. playing drums yeah so when we first moved here um we ended up going to center street church um for a bit and then got involved there in the youth ministry and then um, because of like the pnc we came to first assembly right. um my mom was like obviously familiar with that that scene and then um that was the day where i met pastor tim mason who was in the gym um, and then we ended wow. up, my mom, again, the victory movement going to Southside because my mom wanted to be in a space where she could like contribute, right. I guess. Um, yeah. I think it was just, there was a lot of like processing happening in, in sure. different, so I think a, a places that could have felt like home didn't because it was just a lot was happening, moving fast. Yeah. And so we ended up going to this church called Southside Victory where they didn't have much of a youth ministry. So again, I was just that kid, social butterfly. I was like, yep. let me be an usher. Let me do cat bar. Let me do this. Let me do this. Um, so got involved in like everything. I was kind of like a punk kid that was like always around, like always asking, what's that? What's that? Can I have some of that? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and then I got involved with the worship team and this church is fairly charismatic. So like worship sets could be an hour. They could be two right. hours. Right. And yep. so, um, 
but it was also super good for me to learn how to like, I guess, flow or following that band dynamic. And right. so from like, I think 14, 13, 14, I was like playing at Southside a lot, playing for a lot of conferences, playing for these things called burns where they're like 24 hour prayer sets wow. and just like getting connected with a lot of people. Cause I wasn't like directly involved in the youth ministry. Right. right. Um, I would just like serve by playing drums. And I would say today, which I'll get to, it's probably one of the like primary things as a young person, like in church, that's like, not like solidified my faith, but it's like now it's probably, it's a very, very vulnerable. Sure. Uh, expression of like how I connect with God. It's not the only way, but I yep. think yep. like just playing drums and having fun on drums, transitioning into like, oh, I can encounter God through worshiping with my gift to, oh, God's actually like giving me an authority and giving mm. me an ability to see and partner with what the spirit is doing in yeah. the room yeah. as playing drums. And so that was kind of the progression of that. Um, but yeah, we were at the South Side and then one of the days I think it was like some random Friday event. I like ran into, again, the drummer that was playing at First Assembly when I came to youth that one day. And right. I was like, oh, hey. And he was like, hey, I remember you. Like, came and talked to me. He was like, where have you been? Like, how, you, how come you haven't come to youth? I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, we go to Southside. And I don't know. He's like, well, if you want to come to youth, like, I can pick you up here every Friday at this train station. So then I started being coming to, get it, coming okay. to youth again when I was like 14, 13. Okay. Um, getting involved that way i remember again going out to like michael larson who's the worship pastor here who was a, a worship leader um um at like various conferences that would like happen Southside would host right. right. michael he has his own like he had his own kind of itinerant ministry with like worship okay. yeah back then and i was like hey like i remember you from the first assembly da, 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 da. and then he kind of took me under his wing, got me involved in Tehila. So I started playing at Tehila, um, which is kind of like a citywide like, yeah. initiative thing here in Calgary. Not initiative, but like uh, it's a service, but it's right. like there's like 30, 40 churches represented. You, you're familiar with Tehila. Yes. Yeah. But for the people that don't know, it's yeah. kind of like a no, it's good. capital C church type resource yeah. equip type thing. Um yeah, and so got involved there, playing there, started traveling with him. And like any church, any event that asked me to play for something, I was there. I was like, right. Yeah, no problem. And started traveling and playing actually quite a bit. And then I started traveling with like a guy named Sean Foyt, who's, I mean, pretty popular now in the States because he's yeah. doing all those Let Us Worship yeah. um, things. So I traveled with him for a bit, which opened up tons of opportunity playing with different artists, people from Bethel. Um, which none of these opportunities I was good enough for. The Lord just definitely opened up opportunity and opened wow. up the door. Wow. Um, so then I'm like 16, 17, 18, um, about to graduate high school. And in, again, the African culture, I'm like, oh, I think I want to go to Bible college or like go to Bethel or something like that. Because right. I think I just finished playing a tour with like Amanda and Stephanie. Yeah. I was like, they're so cool. I'm going to go to Bethel and be their best friends. No. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, I remember telling, I think my uncle this in African culture again, it's like, uh, you got to be a doctor or an engineer before you talk about Bible college or like some school of the supernatural. Yep. And so I ended up like not even finishing high school until like when I was 19 or 20 before going to Bible college. But last minute I tried to like rearrange everything and change and like 
take higher higher course load and like this stuff, which did not end well okay. for me. Okay. Um, but honestly, the Lord rebuked rebuked me in a sense where I was like thinking, oh, I'm going to go to Bethel, do the school supernatural, and blah 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 blah. And the Lord was like, just stop chasing opportunity, and kind of reminded me that it was because He opened up the doors where those opportunities came. And so that door kind of closed. And then this is around the time where I think James was, a, he came back around when I was like 16, 17. Okay. Um, and so me and James had like a close, like brother type relationship, but we butted heads so much. He was like, this kid, I see him, I see myself in him. So I'm going to make right, sure right. he like figures it out before sooner than I did kind of thing. Yeah. Which obviously he's my supervisor, my boss now, but probably one of my best friends in a way and a big brother. Um, yeah, he came along and was just like, man, what are you doing? Why are you coming up to hang after Tila? You got to like go finish or go do homework or that kind of stuff. And ended up like pushing me because um, I was traveling at this point quite a bit. So I was like, okay. oh, I guess my diploma is not that deep. Like I can do that later. Right. I'm making like decent money. Sure. And so, yeah, ended up finishing my high school diploma. We went to on this trip, me, him, and that junior, the junior high pastor Sebastian to Portland and like um, Seattle and um, Vancouver. And he was kind of showing us like different schools, showing us Portland Bible right. College where he went. Right. And then when we were in Portland, I felt the Lord be like, this is where just even before that, I got like a few prophetic words about drumming. And again, like I was saying, like the Lord making you aware of the authority that you can partner with the spirit and like, you know, shift a room like break chains, da, 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 da. Um, and then I got some prophetic words saying, hey, like God actually has deposited these things in you to be that, not just when you're behind the drum kit, but like walking in sonship. Wow. Um, so then fast forward, James was talking to us about Bible, about Bible college and this kind of stuff. And we go on this trip. And then that's where I felt the Lord speak to me in Portland being like, this is where I want to shape you. And like, kind of like, bring these things to fruition yeah and i felt it heavy like strong and it went and i i if i did it didn't feel that i wouldn't have went because okay i was like oh cool you've had that experience here but that place was like the dorm rooms were yucky like gross people were like super kind but it was just like i don't know if this is a spot um but god spoke to me so then six months later i finished i finished my high school like really quick um, then I go to Portland and I start Bible college and I was there for two and a half years and the Lord like reconstructed me, um, mm -hmm. in my first semester in all these ways, just cause I think again, going back as from being a kid, I like learned quickly how to adapt and like right. wanting people to like me. So learned yeah. how to like be this person that could like just adapt in different situations or, sure. um, environments. And I think I learned how to be like a professional Christian almost because like, I grew up in it. I knew mm. the lingo. I knew the mm. talk. I knew what to do. And it was right. so like second nature. And the Lord just kind of like broke that all down and just kind of revealed to me like, hey, this is actually who I have called you to be and see you mm. to be. And this is how you've been living and operating. And I just was like, man, either it's gonna, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to live like you called me to be or like it's it i'm a failure kind of thing and right. just it revealed my dire need for jesus um and it almost i don't know i feel like this is this is a bit of a tension of being a pastor's kid is like 
I feel like I'm constantly being saved. Like, sure. and I, I've said this before jokingly, like I almost wish I had like a radical, like I was on the streets and then God sure, called sure. me. Yep. Um, but it feels like constantly like the Lord continues to like, I have moments where he's revealing um, stuff like that. It's like, oh man, I feel like I just got saved again. Yeah. I just got yeah. saved again. But yeah, fast forward, Bible college here, come back. I've been here for two years and we're here. Wow. I kind of gave you the Sparks notes. But no, that's, that uh, that's quite a ride, quite a story. I had, uh, you know, just know you not not real well yet. Feel like I, I know you a lot better now, but um, just hearing your story. Yeah. Again, just everybody's journey is so unique to them. And just, you know, there's a, you mentioned a few things that I want to just go back to. Just a couple things. Just even thinking of our listeners and our audience today. And what they would benefit from. Um, I'm going to save one of them for a little later because it's another question I actually want to ask you, anyways. Yeah. Um, but going back, you mentioned it a few times over the course of your childhood life. You talked about God speaking to you or making it clear. And I think in the church, and we've got all sorts of listeners today. Um, we've got you know some business people. We've got um, church leaders. But um, just you know. A, Let's not make any assumptions, but when you say, I love asking people this anyways, regardless, but to any Christians or those who have faith in, in Jesus, but when you say God spoke to you, like, what does that look like for Jer Nyangor? What, is, what do you mean when you say God yeah. spoke to me? Like, define that for us. Help us understand what you mean. Because we hear Christians say that all the time, and to each totally. of them, it can mean a little different. So help us understand what you mean when you say that. Yeah, um, I can even go back to that moment at PBC, I feel like, first of all, I'm thrown into this environment where people are like, you know, passionately pursuing God, it felt right. like. Like people right. were like, come on, like I'm here and this is yeah. what I'm called to. And like, I've been around it, but it, there was just like a different tenacity to it that just yeah. like, I was like, I don't actually have that. And so it, it kind of, obviously a new environment, not knowing a ton of people, I was uncomfortable. Yep. Um, and so I think, like it's it's true of humanity when you're uncomfortable you can become very introspective um analyzing things like at a, at a in a deeper way and so yeah. this is where i found myself for like a lot of this time in the beginning that i was there and mm. just in this place um becoming more aware of my insecurity becoming more aware of like just little, little things and it almost felt like i was slowly being broken down yeah. um it kind of pushed positioned me into this place where i felt like i had to say like, okay, God, would you speak to me? And kind of coming to him constantly for a while there in that beginning semester, like with just a different level of desperation or sure. I don't know if I would have, I would have called it that, that then, but clearly something inside right. of me was longing for something greater than what I was experiencing. Yeah. And so then in that place, I just felt, yeah, one of these moments when I was in the prayer room, I just felt this like overwhelming, I guess, sense of, and I don't mean just like warm fuzzies and feelings, sure. but just yep. like this, like something inside of me, like my stomach almost dropping, just needing right. to shift and just simple, like almost still small voice, like the Lord yeah. speaking. Yeah. And it sounds like myself, um, but it's smarter than me. Yeah. And just like, this is who, and I, and I know it was the Holy Spirit because I'm like, I, I didn't have the, enough energy yeah. or confidence to encourage myself in yep. this moment of like feeling broken. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the experience of oh, what happened, if that makes yeah, sense. Totally. And yeah, I think I, you know, 
I, I, I get it, but I never want to, uh, I'm learning, you know, even in this podcasting world, never to make assumptions. You've got all kinds of people that totally. can be even tuning in for the first time, right? And hearing your story that might speak to them, but um, no, that's good. That's so helpful. So thank you for uh, taking a little deeper dive there. Um, the other thing I wanted to go back to, because we do have a lot of youth leaders, a lot of uh, those in, in church ministry specific to youth, and you mentioned, you know, I kind of picked up on it as you're telling your story. I'm going, I, I, I know exactly the type of kid you were. Being in youth ministry over 10 plus years, I'm thinking every youth ministry has has that punk kid you know, that's just there always showing up and, you know, getting into trouble sometimes or just, you know, just stirring the pot constantly. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, always at your side, not that that's a bad thing, but just, you know, I I can, I know exactly the kid's name and like, I can picture that kid in my, in in both youth ministries where I serve. So what I want to ask you as, as the punk kid, because I think we can all identify those kids as youth leaders, youth pastors, but for you on the other side of it, and you've now seen both sides because you were that kid. Mm-hmm. What, here's what I want to ask you. What kept you, like, was it, was it, you know, and you've mentioned a few people already at various times throughout your journey, but was it the fact that a youth leader paid specific attention to you? Was it um, like, what kept you coming back and not being turned completely the other way and just going, you know what, I'm not wanted here. Yeah. They treat me like I'm the punk kid. Like, I don't need this. Like, and maybe it was your parents just making you go back. I don't know. And maybe it was the drumming thing, but were there specific people that just actually really, um, kind of took you under their wing and you knew like, maybe you weren't necessarily their cup of tea, but they did it anyways. And they showed you the yeah. love of Jesus with skin on, like, just talk to us for a second. Like what keeps the punk kid coming back to that youth ministry where maybe they totally. don't always feel accepted? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. I think it was just people that like saw past it and just believed in me and constantly encouraged me. I think mm. the assumption was that um, I needed like tough love, which in moments I did. And I, right. that's why I was, it's funny because I had James who was like, figure it out. And then I had Pastor Tim that was like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, ah, like, I don't know. It's so funny. Like sure. they're total opposites, but I was thankful right. for both of them. Um, and so I think, yeah, it was just people just like challenging, but also um, just showing me that they believed in me like it wasn't just the classic like hey man love you because i think in youth ministry um even just being a youth leader it can become like almost a job description in a way where it's like if i you know kind of check off these task lists right um, i'm doing what i need to do but i think in in perspective of like shaping the next generation it requires so much more than that it requires a leader to be praying actively for those students it requires like you know you know, the, the longer conversations, the coffees. And I think it's those things that yeah. really like, um, it's good. really moved my heart for sure. And also, I mean, I left this part out, not on purpose, but so um, when we were here that nine years, 10 years that went by fast, um, yeah. we ended up getting a call from my sister or half sister that was like, hey, dad is sick, you should come back. And so my dad actually ended up passing away six years ago with cancer. Oh, wow. um, And it was, I mean, it was obviously heavy, but a powerful moment of like reconciliation and even between him and my mom, him saying, Hey, like, I, I know I wasn't there, but I prayed that like God would, you know, cover you and 
that people would be in your life and that kind of stuff. And so it wasn't like much as the plan, obviously as he passed away, but I was like, man, that was totally God's faithfulness and him Hmm. putting people. And so when I think of like those youth leaders um, and like youth pastors, obviously like Tim and James and like a Michael or Sean or people that like took me under their wing, um, it meant more because there was like an absence in that sense. Right. And not that they tried to fill that place at all, but just like, Hey, I'm proud of you. Like that means something different when you know um, somebody's like current circumstance or context of like, yeah. Hey, I believe in you. Those kind of things. Oh, that's yeah. huge, man. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That uh, you've had quite a quite a story, man. Quite a journey, and and I know you're still you're still only 24 years old. So much of your life is still ahead of you, but. Uh, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what God's going to continue to do, not just in you, but through you as well. So let's, let's, let's fast forward now. I mean, you've brought us up to kind of current day. Uh, There you are, First Assembly, Calgary, youth pastoring. Um, and you, and you said it before, like you're running with people you'd want to run with right now, which is, mm-hmm. we don't always get that blessing. Right. And so, uh, you know, dude, cherish every minute because that's something that's really, really special today, especially yeah. in ministry and full-time ministry to be able to do it alongside people you want to be with is that's a special thing. But, um, as a youth pastor and as a church leader, forget youth ministry specifically, but even just as a church leader, um, how do you guard yourself? You know, we see people, we're, we're trying to lead people. You specifically are leading students to know, live on mission in their, in their everyday lives, in their high schools, wherever. Um, and, and this is what we do as church leaders. We want the people around us. We're trying to, you know, to get them to, to live their faith out and the, the great commission and go and make disciples. You know, we're all commissioned to do that. How do you safeguard yourself? How do you ensure that you don't lose sight of Jesus' mission as a pastor? Because sometimes we can be so um, just wrapped up in the bubble of church ministry. So oh, what totally. I'm really asking you, man, is to describe to us, tell us what you do to make sure that you're not just always inward focused, even on the people, the youth, the students. But what do you do to keep community minded there in Calgary, wherever you're living, maybe your neighborhood, whatever, um, because I, I think that's the only way we can really lead our people is if we model it first ourselves. Right. And so, um, what do you do to make mm-hmm, sure that you mm-hmm. stay gospel centered, mission minded, living on mission there in Calgary, Alberta? Yeah. Such a good question. I feel like this is what God is like actually walking me through and teaching you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I was like 10 years ahead of this where I could give you like the breakdown and the, like, you know, the five points. Craig Craig Rochelle points of whatever. Um, But yeah, I think just realizing, I think a lot has been through just a burden, obviously for the next generation of burden for people, but just um, realizing, you know, when I read the gospels or when I, when I read, you know, this, the kingdom of heaven, you know, of what Jesus was teaching what our what it is like to be a christian or what it means to be um to live in the ways of jesus and to follow the ways of yeah. jesus um of this new humanity this new kingdom and i mean the beatitudes are just living in that realm i'm like man our world is not as it sh- should be things are not as it should be right and so it causes you to kind of recognize the brokenness and 
the calamity, I guess, around. And yeah, that, I guess in that burden and that weight, looking through it, whether it's practically, spiritually, whatever, I'm like, the only solution is Jesus Hmm. um, to meet people and to touch people and to like shift, shift things. Like I don't, I literally don't have that power. Right. Um, Yeah. It just kind of brings you to a place of knowing that the love of God has to like flow out of me. And that's why I think Jesus said, there's no commandment greater than these is to love God and to love people because it has to have an effect on the way you live and the way you see people and the way you love people. And I think I've seen um, Christians, this is not a bash on Christians of the church, but I've seen us be more good at like talking about stuff than really like showing and doing. Sure. Um, Sure. It's some, in some spheres, but I, a lot of people that I guess I look up to are just like those people that they're the same within the context of the four walls and outside when they like look at you yeah. with like genuine love or like if you're in need of something and I've seen them um, go that extra mile with people like and I have certain people and friends that have modeled this well like there'll never be a person experiencing homelessness that we're around where they didn't offer to buy them food or right. genuinely have a conversation and it's not like hey let me get you food it's like dude what's your name what's your yeah. story like who good. are you like what bring like these intentional conversations that like dignify people and so right. um just like little practical things like that like man i'm gonna feed those who are hungry like anytime i have an opportunity like i'm gonna do it or um any opportunity that i have to like pray or to speak life or to like speak against like slander and gossip has like now i guess continued to open up my 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 eyes right um deepen this like burden oh, i guess in my heart to like walk that out and be on mission i think it's just it's something that grows because it's different yeah. for everybody yeah. like i get people on this team here that are incredibly gifted at evangelism like right the way they can talk to people pray for like it's wild and i'm like that's that's not my thing like i'll sure. push myself in different areas but that's not like my strength thing like this is my right. thing and i think that's what i mean like it grows for each person individually because we need that like diversity yep. in the body of Christ yep. of how we reach people no that's but, good yeah if that, i hope that answers your yeah no that's good um jerry i want to uh, i want to touch on something you said a bit ago and i wanted to to uh to go here um anyways it's a little more sensitive topic but mm-hmm. um you you know with the just the the racial tension in our in our world and I was going to say today, but it's not just today. It's been around for years. Um, we would have hoped, you know, that we'd be in a better spot today. Maybe that's a better way of, of saying it. But given this racial tension, I'd love to get your thoughts, perspective, even your own personal experiences, uh, if however comfortable you're, you are sharing that. Um, but just mm-hmm. with racism, profiling, microaggressions, uh, etc. Like you said a moment ago, you said... Um, back when we were starting, you said, you know, I, I, I was born in this small Grand Prairie, Alberta community where we were the only black family and you realized, you know, you, people didn't like you. You didn't know it at the time. You thought it was just because of who you were, but now you look back and just recently are realizing it was because of your skin color. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'd love you even tell us, like, how did you come to that realization even recently? Like, what was the journey to that? And just a bit about your experience. And then I want to get to asking you specifically, you know, just even in inside the church and outside the church and just, 
yeah, I got some further questions, but maybe we'll start there if, if you're open to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think how I, I guess, came to this place now, I'd say in the back of my mind, I always like, obviously they would say things directly like targeted at my color of skin. Right. But because I wasn't actively seeing other people my color go through the same stuff, um, mm. I guess I didn't really make that connection. Okay. Um, and I think I've had an ability for a long time to just like, you know, flip the switch, like move on, like allow moments of pain to be that moment. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Right. And so now I guess just the Holy Spirit's doing this work and like uncovering things, I'm realizing, oh, I actually haven't processed that. Mm. Like I haven't um, wow. went through these moments of being called the N-word, being called the burnt cookie, being called like all these things that like now I'd be like, okay, but like then they were so hurtful. Right. Um, and I mean, not to say that they're not hurtful, but it's just different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think obviously when the, I think all like on a global scale of like, as far as like recognizing again, said it didn't exist before. Um, not that people didn't know that it wasn't happening, but again, the thing that kind of really brought this to a, like the surface and a global um, realization, I think was the Ahmaud Arbery and then the George Floyd thing where yeah. kind of like stirred things up. Um, sure. I think when that all started happening, I started processing like, oh, what does that mean for me now? Right. And what have I, what have I, what I've experienced? Um, also what I've allowed, what I've seen um, other people that I know, it just was like, again, all a lot of like emotions at once. Yeah. And then at the same time, I was being asked to do a lot of like kind of conversations around sure. it. So I was like processing while like doing these conversations. And um, yeah, I think obviously it's different in Canada than it is in America. And everybody's story and experiences with, with racism are different. Like I have some other black friends that when I told them I experienced a ton of racism from people, um, like Aboriginals and stuff like that, they were like, what? Like, they're they're so inviting to me because they you know they understand right, um, right in that sense which is, would be more of a dynamic of like stereotypes and stuff like within canada sure um and so again like everybody's story is different yeah. like experiencing yeah. it from different people um but it, for me it was more like aggressive i didn't experience a ton of the subtle stuff okay. or at least that i was aware of when i was um in grand prairie and in Bellevue, it was very like you're an inward get out of here. And I'm like, I've never right. seen you or talked to you in my life kind of thing. Yeah. And so then coming here, um, the little like microaggressions or things like that, I didn't really pay a ton of attention to. Um, but then again, when this whole stuff came to the surface, I think where I landed a lot of my processing, and this isn't for, this isn't everybody, but I think for me personally, I, the first thing I had to do was repent. Um, because I was like, I, I have contributed in a sense, which I just, mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people of color or whatever would not be the first thing. It would be recognizing the hurt first, right. um, which I don't get me wrong. I did, but I think I'm like, even in me saying the N word, I'm like, that's, that's a micro agreement. If we want to use that language of like, wow. obviously this, this thing of racism is pure evil and it's greater than I think something that humanity can just muster up on its own. Yeah. And so, cause I think Martin Luther King, Dr. King said like, 
show me racism and I'll go find it and kill it. It's like, it's not just, wow. you know what I mean? It, the way it manifests itself comes in all different ways, shapes yeah. and forms. Yeah. Like it just like, I was like brought again to this person. Like, I don't even, I don't know how to provide a solution to this. Yeah. But for me, I know that there's some pieces that like, this is greater than whoever that, that person that was white that called me the N word. It's, it's deeper than that because that person is still a brother is still a like you know a child of god and this is a conversation we just had last week or okay. this sunday with our senior highs of the derek um chauvin Chab- yeah. yeah um yeah verdict and trial mm-hmm. and kind of the emotions around that and obviously there's people on like that are just like numb and in tons of pain and there's people that are like confused or the people that are defensive. There's people that are just don't know, like it's all across the board. It's yeah. so sensitive, like you said. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I think I've called, I've wanted to call forth like people that maybe their heart is a little softer and not because you're allowing yourself to be walked over, but just like, okay, maybe God brought you to this place of processing or whatever and realizing right. that and the love of Jesus is for Derek just as much as it is for George Floyd. Wow. And that's like a wild thought, yeah. a wild thought. And I don't, I'm not saying we have to skip to that. I think it's important to mourn with those who are mourning. I think it's important to, you know, process through those things. And obviously there's lots of steps yeah. specifically, even in America that have to be taken to start to like work mm-hmm. towards justice and, and here too, just looks different. Yeah. No. And, and yeah. I, I want to ask you like, and maybe, maybe there's no short answer and we don't have to stay there, but because I think that is the temptation sometimes for us as Canadians, um, especially, is to think that racism is strictly an American issue, and it's not. Right. It's not really here, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we, oh well, that's down south, you know. George Floyd, Amon, like, and and I know. I mean, you read the articles in the news, like it's happening here too. Um, but yet there's still, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's ignorance. I don't know if Canadians just not wanting to deal with it. I, I don't know what it is or why, but I hear that way too often where Canadians will say, no, but that's a, that's a U.S. issue. Like we don't have that. Right. Like I've, I've heard people, I've heard Christians say that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what would you say to that? Like you said, it is different up here and I agree with you like it is, but, um, for someone who suggests that it's not it's not prevalent here. Like what would you, what would your response be to that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think right now is where I'd wish that I had all the statistics and the data um, to, to say, Hey, it actually is very much an issue here. Um, but I think, yeah, we're just, we're missing speaking directly to, to followers of Jesus. We're missing, we're missing it. If we think that we don't have to, we don't play a part or we don't have to, um, lean in or as far yeah. as part of res- yeah. a space of responsibility. Mm, um, that's good. If, if we're saying that, like, right, this is the call and it was for, it didn't, it wasn't. Yeah. I think this is, yeah. this isn't really important for Christians to say the least um, to no matter where it is or what government structural, whatever infrastructure it's under. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, last question. I, I want to ask you on this. And again, uh, I'm not trying to, um, uh, not trying to taint, taint Christianity or, or the church or anything, but I've, I've, I just want, I want to help people understand this better. Um, and, and so I want to ask you this because I've heard again, well-meaning people, and I think their motives are actually pure. I, I don't think they mean any ill, 
slant or, or prejudice by saying this, but I, I know because I have friends, uh, you know, of all kinds of different ethnicities and, and backgrounds. And so I know from some of them hearing that it does come across different to them. So for, you know, let's, let's say a white person who says to you, Jer, who says, Hey man, like I just, I see every people, I see everybody the same. Like, I don't even see your skin color when I look at you. Mm -hmm. Like, I just see it. Like, I, I understand the motive in that is pure. Um, Mm -hmm. However, I know, you know, again, just in having conversations, I've been doing a lot of learning myself Mm -hmm. and I've learned that that comes across totally different to somebody who maybe doesn't share the same skin color. And so what would you say to a well-meaning Christian who says that to you, you know, and in all the love that you can muster up, but how would you help them understand that maybe that's not the best way of saying that? Right. Yeah. I totally get you. And I totally see the heart. And I've been in, I think, um, conversations where that has been a response. And I'm like, I know where that person's coming from, but then I've been around people that are like, man, that's actually super hurtful. Um, and I think, there's this philosopher um, that kind of communicates this idea of like what it means to actually love people. And it's, Mm. he talks about how in order to like truly love someone or another, you have to be with them. You have to be for them and actually unto the betterment of their life. Wow. Um, And I think that requires like this idea of loving my brother and my sister. It, it requires a depth and action and energy that is more than just, I think, quite often the surface level. I love you. Right. Everything's good. It requires you to actually do the work um, and be with them um, and experience, like, again, that idea that Jesus yeah. misses, yeah. like, mourning with those who are mourning, like, to be with them, to be for them and unto them. And I think to do that, um, you have to see somebody. Um, you have to see their the color of their skin. You have to be able to see their experiences. Yeah. It's good um, to be with them in it and to be for for them. Yeah, I That's think it's so good. So if you think about it in that way, man, if I really love this person, you, it'll just it'll shift your your heart to to action to like oh, I, I got to do more than that. I got to see wow. them for who they are. Oh, that's so good. Well, I, I thank you. You know, again, it's I know it's such a sensitive topic for so many, and uh, and so I appreciate uh, you taking a little deeper dive there and spending some time there. I think that's so helpful oh, to uh, to listeners today. So thanks for doing that, Jerry. I want to. Yeah. We're going to wrap this up in just a minute, but I want to ask you a few, maybe a little lighter, a little lighter note, but uh, some some kind of concluding questions here today first of all and maybe this isn't so light but it depends on your response i guess but um Mm -hmm. what's on i love asking this question to uh to leaders specifically but what's on your mind in this season i know we're in the midst of a pandemic and just you know it might be related to that maybe not but just what's on your mind this season you've referenced you know holy spirit speaking to you many times throughout this interview here today um, so it might be even something the Spirit's saying to you in this season of your life. But what what's on your mind in this season? I think, yeah, really what's been on my mind is just, yeah, I mean, it has to do with everything in a sense of like the pandemic and ministry and like just seeing people um, wrestle through what they're wrestling through and seeing different people. Um, yeah, all across the board, just, you know, the different experiences or yeah. um 
trauma is I think a big thing for me has been just like the weight of anxiety and depression around mm -hmm. people and yeah even the torment of suicide and yeah I just like what's been on my mind is just I've been honestly yeah I've just been reading a lot even of Josiah King Josiah and hmm. how he almost like in a sense stood in the gap and saved a generation from wow um and I don't know, yeah, that's just been on my mind and my heart of just like, man, how can we just actually show people Jesus? Um, not in just the way that, again, not a bash to the church, not in the way that we have in the past, but something that's yeah. like completely new. Some would call it revival, um, which, yeah, I could say that for sure. But that's the thing that I like keeps me up at night is just like, mm -hmm. and then what do I need to do to make, sure. be ready and available sure. for someone or whoever? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. In the the flip side of that is, I guess, with with this season being so heavy, and you just mentioned a, a lot of heavy things, and that people are wrestling, real life things, anxiety, depression, mental health of people is just uh, for so many is just exhausting right now, uh, and and uh, there's many that are just not even able to see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, um, the the hope in it all, so. Having said that, what do you do um, as you spend time thinking about those things, and that's heavy on your mind and your heart these days? What do you do for fun? What do you do for an outlet? Like you mentioned, you mentioned playing drums. Maybe that's a bit of it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, but maybe it's sports. Maybe it's hanging out with friends. But tell us what you do for fun these days to kind of fill up your tank. I've. Uh, this is so funny. I don't know if you saw the video, Jeremy, but um, on Instagram, I posted it last week. I went skiing and I had a pretty oh, bad yes. fall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was bad. So I've been doing that actually quite a bit, which is okay. funny. Like if I, any of my family members, when I say, first of all, the fact that I played hockey is like, he's a, he's an angel kid. Like yeah. God is on his life. It's a miracle. <laughs> um, but yeah, skiing has been, that kind of made it like a, not a Sabbath, but it's something on the Saturday. I've been like trying sure. to practice Sabbath. Yeah. Um, yeah, skiing. I'm a people person. So I'm always like doing coffee right. and always around people. Two big things. This, I'm going to be golfing all summer. You best believe. Nice. For nice. sure. Well, I hope I'll try I hope, to at least. Yeah, I hope you can because they just shut down our golf courses here in Ontario. So we're, they Seriously? it was open. It was open at first when they uh, we went back to lockdown. That was the one thing that they they kept open, and then like literally a day or two later, um, the government announced that uh, golf courses were were going to be shut down as well. So maybe for the whole open. summer. Well, we don't know yet. I mean, at okay. least till May twentieth, but. Um, for now they're shut down yeah so uh, oh, you'd have to i'm so sorry yeah get that in uh, i mean i'm not a huge golfer anyway so it's not a it's not a bit but i i've got some friends who are and and people in the area who are so it was a big a big shot to a big to one them, yeah sure. yeah Jerry, your last last question or second last question anyways any last bit of advice resources a leadership nugget maybe a book you've read recently another podcast you listen to um, something that's really helping you in your in your leadership life these days that you want to share with our listeners. This is a book right here. I mean, two books actually that are amazing. Why Revival Terry's? Okay. Um, by Leonard Ravenhill. Ravenhill. Yeah. And then Beautiful Resistance by John Tyson. Okay, Ravenhill Art. and Tyson. Um, 
and then another book called um, The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. Yep. Uh, and then another book actually called Intercessory Prayer. Um, I, I, yeah, the, the author is not coming to my mind. Intercessory um, Prayer. All right. Well, we can, uh, we can try and locate those and put them in the show notes. Um, yeah, those books have, have been, yeah, super instrumental to a lot of revelation and understanding. Um, and yeah, anything I've been listening a lot to John Tyson, even when it comes to sexual ethic, he does a couple talks mm. on that kind of stuff. And I think it's, I think it's super helpful for youth pastors and yeah. leaders, um, or any church leader, honestly, when sure. in this cultural moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. That's good. It's good. Oh, this has been so good. So rich today, Jerry. I really appreciate your time. Just great getting to know you um, yeah. further and uh, allowing our, our listening audience to get to know you better too. Our yeah, first, absolutely. this is my stories. And we just heard your Honored. story, which is a powerful one, man. Like I had no idea you walked um, the life that you've walked and uh, you start to see, you know, it's uh, there's so many similarities when you see people that are really being used um in effective ways in ministry today, often many of them share these unique, um, just diverse but but difficult stories, right? And uh, and so cool just to see God's hand on your right. life through it all, and how He's kept you and sustained you, and uh, and continuing to, uh, yeah. to grow you in, in now and in the days ahead. Listen, yeah, final absolutely. question: Where can our listeners find you if they want to track with you or see your next? Uh, skiing accident well we won't prophesy that but um you're, thank you Lord. If, if they want to if they want to follow you or find out more about jer niang or where would they yeah. find you online where can they find you on instagram on facebook um okay. my email um yeah instagram is just jeremiah niang or um Okay. And yeah, my email is at fa.church. Even I'm I'm cool with giving out my phone number as well. Might sound okay, crazy. Too. And I feel like there might be one day where I'm like, hmm, probably can't do that. But as of right now, you want to do it, man. Go one, for one, three, it. Nine. Sorry, yeah. say it again. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. Five eight seven four three six one one three nine. You heard it here first. The very first cell number to be given out on the leadership matters podcast right here folks <laughs> this was a first that's funny <laughs> oh this Maybe is good man Th knows. thanks so much for uh, being with us today really appreciate it oh so honored so honored thanks for having me and yeah it was so fun being a part of pursue as well but appreciate you jeremy i feel like i got to know you as well and thankful for you in our ours or not our city our nation for sure wow what an incredible powerful story. Um, and I just want to thank Jeremiah again. Uh, just thank you so much for sharing with such authenticity and transparency here today. Uh, you shared some really, um, really personal parts of your journey, your story, and, and what has been a part of shaping who you are today. And I, I think that's the powerful part is just knowing that even though we, we go through hardship and pain and difficult seasons in our lives, that it actually can be used for good and the good of others. And that's exactly what Jeremiah is doing today is he's investing back in students who uh, are just like he was 
uh, not too many years ago. And so uh, I think that's so cool. So that's episode 40. Uh, again, our first segment of This Is My Story. So get ready. You're going to hear some more powerful stories just like this one in the months to come. Until then, if you just go ahead, subscribe. If you like this podcast, it's been a resource, a help to you. Subscribe so you don't miss any future podcasts. Uh, leave a like uh, wherever you get your podcast, or even a review. That would really help spread the word of this free resource, this free tool for you that we produce. Why? Because we it's all in an effort to help develop healthy leaders. Why do we do that? Well, because your leadership really does matter. And so until next month, remember that and peace on your melon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.